We respond to fear very differently than how animal responds to fear. I can't win, so I'm going to run away. And some animal knows the kind of response that animals, other animals will respond to, and they will use that to their advantage and to catch the prey. Tiger is a very, very efficient hunter. It knows a certain response of a deer, how it responds to a threat. The tiger can learn and responds in a way that would be able to capture the prey because it knows how the deer would respond when it sees the tiger. But human being, we are very different and we are advanced because our ability to analyze the situation and respond to fear is unlike animals. And that's what makes us different. The way that we respond to fear is very different. I'm not going to explain to you how the brain works because I don't know how the brain works. I'll share with you what I've learned. In general, your brain is separated into a lot of regions, but the regions that are responsible to how you handle fear is called the amygdala. It's a central part of your brain. So you see a lion, and then what happens is your heart starts to race, you start to sweat, your body starts to tense up. What you get ready for is a flight or a, a fight response. If you're an animal, then you just do what you normally would do, is you would start to run. But in human, we analyze situation and we decide what we're going to do, and that's called the front part of your brain, the amygdala. The amygdala is actually the center. There's two little almond-shaped nuclei that's in your, your brain. That's how we analyze the fear and how we respond to fear based on what we analyze. It is better if I just stay here very quiet. Like when you get attacked by a bear, you play dead. Counterintuitive, but you learn if you play dead, then the bear will, will, will not you know, attack you anymore. Well, sometimes you hope that's what's going to happen. Where does that come from? It comes from your forebrain. You start to analyze the situation and then you figure out the best response to the situation. And therefore, you will see some people see a bear start running. Well, of course, that's a very dumb thing to do. So you can't run from a bear. Other people see a bear and then they know, okay, I'm just going to play dead because that's what I've learned to do. And they play dead. Me, look around and see whoever I can outrun. Outrun that person only. Well, if you run slower than me, all I need to do is run faster than you then who the bear is going to get. Our mind can actually figure out what's the best way to respond to fear. That's what separates us from animals. Let me take that up a notch. So there are two pathways that goes from your sensory perception that goes into your brain. You process it, and then how do you process that determines how you're going to react. When you see something that's scary, the way that you react is normally by instinct. So if I go, Bleh! So your reaction is like, what just happened? But Marissa here is just like, what happened? You know, nothing happened. What's the deal? She's so used to it. She's been in a situation many times. But you guys, you were afraid at first, and then you thought, <laughs> you decided to laugh it off. That's a way to, to respond to fear. And they're still laughing. And that's actually, that is a very common response to fear. I was driving Kimmy home one day in the back there was a police. Instantly, when she looked back, she saw the light was on. You know what she did? She started to laugh uncontrollably. I don't know why. I asked her, did you do anything wrong? And she laughed louder and louder. When we stopped, she just could not control herself until I rolled down the window. And then she stopped laughing. That's when fear 
just really kicks in. There's no reason for her to fear, just that we are programmed to fear the police. There are two ways for you to respond to fear. Fear comes in and naturally, we take the low road. It's called the natural response to fear is that you will respond by either fight or flight. But then there's a high road, which then allows you to process, is that fear rational? That is called the high road. That's why when uh, there are times when there's something that causes you to be really afraid, but then you get a hold of yourself, this is okay. I'm, I'm not going to freak out. That's the high road. Let me tell you, there's another road that you can take. And this is what separates human, normal human being, and spiritual human being. This is what I call the supernatural road. Your sight, the way that you see things, the way you perceive things, the way that you have learned things, allows you to take the high road that you know when the bear come, you would play dead. That's the high road. You, know, you learn to not to run because you cannot outrun a bear. Or when you get chased down by a tiger, you don't climb up the tree because it can't climb tree. These are kind of things that we learn and we process them. That's the high road. The way that separates a a natural human being and a spiritual being is how we respond to fear supernaturally. And that's what I want to talk about today is how do you respond to fear in a way that you have learned it from the Bible and in a way that you have learned it through faith. Our sights, our hearing, our ears, all those are natural ability that we have. But for you to be able to respond to fear supernaturally, it requires your ability to process things by faith. Go through the story of King Asa. This is the end of the story. It doesn't end very well. He died in an agonizing death. Even though you study the first two chapters, it was a very, very exciting time for Israel, but it did not end very well. In the 6th and 30th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Judah has been living up to now 10 years of prosperity. They have peace, they have prosperity, things are very, very good in Judah to the point where a lot of people from the north start emigrating to the south because things are good there. Things are going well, people are coming down, and the king of Israel decided, wait a minute, I'm gonna stop this exodus. So he started to build this fort at Ramah, King of Judah, he saw this was happening. What comes into his mind is that, oh no, oh no, there's something that was disturbing my peace. So he reacted, and the way he reacted was an instinctive response to fear. He did not take, in the manner of speaking, the super spiritual road. He took very instinctive fear, and this could be the high road. This is rational to the minds of men, but is irrational to the heart of a believer. He took a rational approach, and what he did was Asa brought out the silver and gold and all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. Instead of, like before, the Ethiopians, the million-man army came to King Asa, what did he do? Who did he turn to? He turned to God, prayed that simple prayer to God. But you don't see that happening here. Throughout this year of peace, he has lost his connection. He has lost the worship. He has lost. Prosperity comes is the time. Should be like in the beginning when peacetime comes, he prepare for war. But 
we see something that didn't happen is that it didn't say this, the word of God didn't say that he prepared in the time of peace. So he just sat there. He just enjoyed the prosperity that God has brought to him. So when fear came, what he did was he responds out of fear, instinctually to fear. Instead of reaching out to God for salvation, he's reaching out to whom? His enemy. To fight whom? His brother is irrational and that's what happened when you react instinctively to fear is that you become irrational fear what it does is that it corrupts your thoughts and it causes you to fear irrationally and it causes you to react irrationally the servant who has one talent he went and buried the talent and the scripture said he did it because he was afraid of the master that's irrational that kind of fear is irrational. It's irrational because it's faithless, therefore it's irrational. Saul feared the people instead of God. It's irrational. Why? Because Saul was king. People was his subject. Paul was taller and handsomer and more powerful than anyone. And yet he was afraid of the people in whom he's supposed to have rule over. So fear, it corrupts our mind, it corrupts our thoughts, and it causes us to act irrationally. And you know what? It is natural. This is something that's very natural. You cannot eliminate it. It will happen. But how we respond to it requires us to examine and to process, and then we should act based on what we have learned, not uh, instinctive reaction to fear. And number two is that fear corrupts our action. Asa's judgment was impaired. He took in for his friend an enemy, and then he used an enemy to destroy his brother. His action was corrupted through the fear that he has. God sends a prophet to him and say to tell him what he did was foolish and what he do. Fear has a way of escalating it to a point of destruction. So because he acted foolishly, he went on on that same road. Just like you did something wrong and someone came to you and said, why did you do it? And then the first instinct is to lie. I didn't do it. They keep on pressing and then what you do? Well, he did it. Start to escalate and in the end, you got found out, you lied. Things just get worse and worse. And that's what happened to King Asa. The prophet was sent by God. God said, you acted foolishly. And what did he do? He took the, the prophet Hanani, threw him in prison, oppressed the people, and then he got sick, disease in his feet. He said, forget it, I'm going to die. He didn't even seek the Lord. You see how fear causes us to descend into this destructive mode. The desensitization, meaning you get callous. If you are subjected to pain over and over again, you become fearless. When you're no longer sensitive to fear, what happens is that you don't feel pain. When you don't feel pain, you hurt yourself and you don't know it. A person who is a leper doesn't feel pain because they don't feel pain when they hurt themselves they don't know that they're hurt and because they don't know that they're hurt they can injure themselves to the point that they die fear is normal but how we respond to it how we manage it is very important the longer you are exposed to fear what happens is you become more reckless spiritually reckless fear begins in Asa's life and then in the end he was so reckless about his life that he didn't care to come to the Lord. How many of you today that when you're sick, you don't go to the Lord, but you go to the physician first? You don't pray, but you go to find medicine. That is an indication of 
your heart has been hardened, it's been callous. Instead of coming to the Lord for help, you're no longer coming to. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor. I'll go to the doctor. What fear does is that it begins to harden your heart. Unbelief takes over your heart and then it's hardened. And then you no longer are able to be sensitive to what God is doing. There are four causes of fear. The first one is unbelief. What caused you to fear? Because you don't know what's there. I remember when I was young, there was this picture in the room of my dead uncle. It was a black and white picture, very handsome young man, hang on the side of the wall. In the daytime, I walk past it, and every time I look at the picture, the I follow you. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays are the days that we don't have electricity. And I have at night to go upstairs, walk across this room to go fetch some underwear for my aunt. She always forget to bring her underwear, so I have to go and get her underwear for her. And every time I go up there, I open the door, I walk across the room, he's looking at me, even though I don't see it, but I know he's looking at me. The longer I think about it, the more scared I get. So as I'm walking across the room, at first I'm walking slowly, and then I started to walk faster, and pretty soon I start running, and then I get to the drawer, I reach in, I grab a few things, and then I can't walk anymore, and I start crawling across the room because I'm so afraid, and I get out, and I'm so relieved, and I went down, I gave it to her, and she said, that's not what I want. I'm manufacturing something that's not true, and that's what unbelief is. Unbelief is not that you don't believe in God. We all believe in God. Everyone here believes in God, but we don't believe that God is able to do something through us, and that's what unbelief is. We have to fight against that nature, uh, unbelief. Fear will feed on you until the point where you are paralyzed. And then usually when she sends me back up the second time, I give up. I ask someone else to do it. See, it paralyzes us. We can't do it anymore. The disciples on the boat, who were the disciples? They were fishermen. They're on the boat. They've been in the sea many times before. They see the storm coming. What should they do? They should know how to handle the storm, but they didn't. They turned over to Jesus and said, you don't care that we're going to die? Just imagine how irrational that is. A bunch of fishermen on the boat turned to a carpenter and said, save us. It's irrational. It's not because they don't believe that there's a God in the boat. Peter confessed that Jesus was God. It was that they didn't believe that God would save them. That's what unbelief, and that caused them to fear. It's irrational. They're in the boat, but they still fear, even though God's in the boat. God is, could be in your life, but you can still be in fear. The second thing that causes fear is pride. Instead of coming to the Lord in the beginning when he was a young king, when the enemy came, he came to the Lord and said, God, you have to help us. Without you, we can never win. But as he gets older, guess what happened? He thinks he can handle a little army coming. And then he forgets it was all God in the beginning. He didn't do anything in the beginning, but he forgot. He thought that he could take care of this thing. He could take matter into his own hand, corrupts his heart. So when you think that you can handle things and you don't need God, it corrupts you. It causes you to put your dependency on yourself, and that is called pride. The third thing that caused fear is sin. When Cain killed Abel, God came and asked Cain, where's your brother? How did he respond? Am I my brother's keeper? Fear causes us to sin, causes us to fear. It's a cycle. Your midbrain responds to fear 
flee away. But your forebrain said, no, running is not going to help. But then your midbrain said, but I got to run. If you keep listening to that voice, eventually you will get consumed by it and you will respond to it. The very first fear that was introduced in the Bible was this story. Adam ate the fruit from Eve and God says, Adam, where are you? And Adam responds, he said, I hid because I was afraid. God said, who told you that you were naked? When we listen to the voice of the enemy and we don't trust God, and that causes us to fear because what happened is then when we transgress against God, our morality becomes inflicted, our conscience becomes tried, and then it causes us to fear. The number four, the causes of fear is God. God caused fear to come upon you, to test you. Let me tell you a story. I was out with a group of friends, and we were stealing, you know, this is back before I know God. We were stealing this... Um, public tell you don't have to worry about this no such thing anymore we were hacking away at night four of us hacking away taking this public phone I thought I heard something like footsteps or voices and all my life I thought I was a upstanding thief thought I would live and die I would never give my friends away I would never rat on them I'd never tell on them when the time comes I'm gonna live I'm gonna die for my friend well I thought I heard some footsteps coming boom I was gone I left all my friends there. I took off like a gazelle and I left. It turned out there was no one there. It's just my own imagination. I thought I heard something. There was no one there. I felt so bad, but I realized something. I was not that person whom I think I was. My natural reaction to fear is to flee, left all my friends there to take the bag, and I just left everyone. I was so convicted after that. I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm worse than them all. God caused fear to come into your life to show you who you really are. Peter says this, the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. Okay? When it comes to you, when God tests you, you know, King Asa could have lived the rest of his life in peace, but that's not God's intention. God wants to show you what kind of person that you are. Do you really trust in God when the time comes? So he brings Bashar down and show King Asa that really all these things that happened in the past, he thought he was so trusting in God. It turns out it's not true. And that's what God wants to bring out of all of us. Do you, when you say you trust God, you say you depend on God, God will send trials into your life. Are you going to flee when you hear things and leave all your friends? Well, that's happened to me. It will continue to happen to us because God wants to show us the, the real person that we are. How do you conquer fear? Jesus got up on the boat when they said, don't you care that we're going to die? And listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Meaning, fear comes when we don't have faith, not in ourselves, that would be pride, but we don't have faith in God. And we become fearful and we act irrationally and sometimes destructively, not only to ourselves or to people around. But faith comes in to not only save us, but also to save those around. Remember, there were 12 people plus Jesus in the boat. They were fearful, but Jesus got up on the boat and he says this, he rebuked the winds and the sea. Jesus got up and faced that thing that caused them to fear. The only thing that is at your disposal is to face that fear. And how do you face the fear? Jesus spoke to it, calm down. It calmed down, why? 
because he has power, he has authority. And when you speak and when you use Jesus' name, you have the authority, same authority to speak into the fear that is surrounding you. And you tell it to be quiet. And you know what happens when you tell it to be quiet? It be quiet. Why? Because the power of Christ. How do you fight unbelief? Trust God instinctively. That lesson, me running away from my friends, showed me one thing that I am instinctively a coward. We tend not to think that we are cowards. That night I went home, I felt terrible because I knew when it comes down to it, I'm a coward. How do you change that attitude? Are you a spiritual coward? Do you run to yourself, you run to other people when fear comes or you run to God? How do you change that? So I began a process of putting myself in situations where it forces me to not be a coward. When I am afraid, the psalmist says, I will trust in God. There is something that you can do. When you're afraid, first thing you should do is think about God. Think about how God can deliver you. Don't think about yourself because you'll be so sad. We don't have anything to depend on. Know that belief is not a feeling. You don't conjure up this belief and then it takes over you. No, it's an obedience. When you see a bear, play dead. It's not a feeling. It doesn't feel good to play dead. But if you believe what I say, and when you see a bear, you fall down, you play dead, and you're not killed by the bear, then you learn something. Next time you see a bear, what do you do? You play dead. The Word of God is just that, giving you instruction. When things happen in your life, obey the Word of God. You might not know how it works, but when you obey the Word of God, you know, it will work. And then you realize that's all you have to do is to obey. The other thing about fighting unbelief is this. When you have the Word of God inside of you, you have the Word of God, the mechanism to defend yourself against fear is already here. It will get initiated because you have the Word of God inside of you and you have faith. It automatically activates even before fear comes in. Let me tell you what happened to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul um, was facing this trial that could kill him. He appealed himself to Caesar. He has no other way of getting out of this situation where people want to kill him. They accuse him of inciting a riot. They accuse him of defiling the temple. They want to bring him before the people to be judged again. He was like, no, I appeal to Caesar. And then he realized, what did I just do? And uh, that night, Jesus came to Paul, and this is what he said, Paul, don't be afraid. You will appear to Caesar don't be afraid. Speak. What happened to Paul was even before he got a chance to be afraid, Jesus came and spoke into his life and reassured him, that's okay, Paul. I'll be here with you. You see the importance of God's word in your life and that you have a connection with Christ. He will come to you before you even face your fears. The second thing is to fight pride, is to humble yourself. Don't ever misunderstand that Jesus looked at the cross and said, eh, it's nothing at all. You look at the cross, you look at people have these rods, these whip, you're afraid Christ has the same feeling. In all manner, he was just like us. He feel pain, people accuse him, and he feels betrayed. He felt all those things. He looked at the cross, and he knew that it was painful. There's nothing that you feel that he didn't feel. But the way that Jesus was able to overcome this fear was this. He humbles himself even to the point of death and even 
death on the cross. He accepted it. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar says that when you hear the sound, all you have to do, all you got to do is bow yourself down to the statue. And Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said this, you know what? God would deliver us. That, that, what was that speaking? That was faith speaking. But faith alone cannot save you. God who saves you. When you speak the word of faith, you have to have the humility that goes with it. Without humility, when you speak it, it's just pride. But know this, O king, even if God does not save us, we still won't bow down to you. Essentially, what they're saying is this. We will accept death. It's fine. That's how they were able to overcome fear. They were not thrown into the fire. No, they were thrown into the fire. You see, the trial continues. It doesn't stop. Miracles just doesn't happen outside of the realm of possibility. It happens in the realm of impossibility. And inside that furnace, who was there? One who has the appearance like the Son of God was there. Be prepared to accept death. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what you, if you want to overcome fear, be willing to accept death. Are you able to do that? That requires you to train yourself instinctively to trust God. Even if you die, what you know can happen if you die. God can raise you up from the dead. He did it before. He can do it again. There's nothing to fear in the hands of God. The last thing that I want to talk about is the way that you would conquer fear is this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The ultimate weapon against fear is love. Despite everything else that you learn, the only way for you to manage fear, to overcome fear, is love. Look at a mother and her baby. Who's going to stand between the mother and her baby? No one dare, because there's love there. What would you do? What would you do? How would you react when there's love? Unless there's love, we're always going to be afraid. Unless there's love, you're never going to say anything. You're never going to do anything, because fear will overcome everything else except love. Fear cannot conquer love. Love consumes fear. My point today is that the only way for you to overcome fear is with love. All those people who came, they accused Christ. They um, made accusations, false accusations against Him. They even crucified Him, but they failed because Jesus overcame all that with His love. What would you do for love? How far would you go? What weakness will you overcome because of love? You see a lot of people do a lot of crazy things and you look at, wow, that's pretty crazy. And then you realize that person's in love. You overcome all kinds of fear. How hard will you fight? How many times will you die and then get resurrected again because you love someone? So if you love God, there's nothing that you will fear. If you love, it's the love that will drive you to overcome all fears. Father, in the face of a tremendous amount of oppressions, upon our lives today. Lord, we fear so many things. We're afraid of so many things that we shouldn't even be afraid of, and yet we are. Uh, those things that would grip the heart, paralyze us, cause us to be immobilized because we're afraid. Lord, give us the courage today to say, to recognize first, Lord, that you love us, and beyond all else, you have demonstrated this love that you overcome death itself to prove that even in death, it cannot hold you. It cannot separate you 
from those that you love, that you give yourself for them. So help us today, Lord, as we come to you and think about all the things that grip our hearts, cause us to be immobilized and paralyzed, discomforted because of fear, because of anxieties. Help us, Lord, to realize that it was love that overcome all that to bring us to the point of salvation. So enable us today, Lord, as we contemplate on that love and we learn to love the way that Christ loved us, to traverse this, this life, to face various kinds of tests and temptation, enemies and situations where it's so difficult and we just want to give up to say, but because of love, we're willing. We're willing to give birth even though it's agonizing, it's painful. We're willing to sacrifice even though it costs us everything. But we do it, Lord, because of love, because of you, your presence evident in our lives, that will bring you glory, that will give the glory to God because we, in your footstep, choose love, choose to love in spite of fear and trepidation and hurt and pain. Thank you, Jesus, what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord God, that one day, truly, Lord, that we can act and react in a way that is Jesus Christ would have that he would not react in an evil way when he was accused, when he was beaten, when he was spat on, and when he was crucified. But in love, he called out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Give us this ability, Lord, to look at a situation where it is natural for us to fear and cause us to be supernaturally respond to those situations and say, I believe, I trust in God. And even though it would cost me my life, I would do it over and over again because I know, I know love. Bring this church's body, Lord, to the place where we would act in that way. We would endure, we would be suffering through all of this to tell the world that yes, love, the love of God will conquer all. In the name of Jesus, I pray.